You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We have lots to talk about today on this program, all about technology in our world. A little later on in the hour, we'll be uh, having a look at bots, which is uh, a big thing this week, and we'll talk a little bit about that in the news in a moment here. But uh, have you ever wondered how tickets sell out within a minute for large concert events that come into town? How can they sell like 25,000 tickets in a couple minutes? Well, uh, we will be looking at the world of bots and how that all figures uh, into it. We'll also... uh, Find out how you can increase the storage of your iPhone. One of the challenges with uh, the iPhone is that when you buy it, it's uh, stuck with the amount of storage that it comes with. And for a lot of people, uh, it's not enough, especially with all the pictures and videos that we take now. We're going to talk about a solution for that. Bots, Andy. They're everywhere. They brought down most of the Internet yesterday. That's right. Huge outages uh, down in the U.S., throughout North America for that matter, and uh, even kind of bled into Europe. For a bunch of major sites, Airbnb, Netflix, Spotify, Reddit, Twitter, all taken down by what's called a denial of service attack. Or DDoS for short. DDoS. And essentially what this is, is uh, a bunch of bots or computers that uh, overwhelm certain websites with traffic so that no one can get to them. Well, this can happen in a normal way if you say you have a website that suddenly gets super popular and everybody's trying to access that website at the same time, it can overload your servers. And essentially what these bots are doing are taking that type of principle but automating it. So if you really want to take down a website, all you got to do is put so much traffic to that site that it just basically shuts down. And that's what these bots are doing. And what's interesting is it's not just coming from one person's computer. They start to take over other computers and get them to also infiltrate that website. And that's what they call it, a distributed denial of service, or DDS or, uh, OS for short. And that's essentially what it does. It's an easy way to take over websites, but it's becoming more and more common. And what was interesting in this case, Mike, is they went actually to a company that manages all these other big websites, and that's how they were going, almost on the network level, to, to yeah, shut the company. Yeah, the company, I'd never heard of it before, but uh, it's called Dyn, D-Y-N, Incorporated. Uh, and essentially, because it controlled a lot of the traffic or helped manage a lot of the traffic for these big sites like Netflix and Spotify and Twitter, uh, they attacked their their uh, infrastructure, their servers, and were able to bring down uh, a large portion uh, of those. What was interesting is what was attacking it. So what happens is hackers uh, find a way to take over literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of unprotected computers. Your computer might even be part of this. You don't even know it if you haven't got proper security and passwords on it. And they use these computers to basically start accessing websites, putting too much traffic to them. And essentially this time... They went after a bunch of internet-connected devices like PVRs, connected fridges, uh, connected webcams, that type of thing that didn't have strong security. That's right. And they took all of that, all that traffic, and basically brought down down Netflix. And these uh, connected devices or what we call them IoT, Internet of Things, all these other devices that are connected to your network. Your fridge brought down Netflix. That's right. Pretty much. Yeah. Your fridge, your uh, connected door, deadbolt at your house. Yeah. Um, And and it makes kind of sense how these hackers did it because, like you said, they don't have the same security as you, you would see on your laptop or traditional computer. 
but they're still connected to the internet and they still are essentially a little computer. And it was kind of brilliant the way that they went through that way, kind of like a back door. And there are a lot of connected devices. They estimate by 2020, there will be 20 billion connected devices to the internet, these IoT devices. So it seems, Scary. well, it seems now that the manufacturers that make these devices have to put security on top of it just so things like this will not happen in the future. Another uh, interesting but frustrating story. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, these uh, webcam security cams. Uh, one of them, I think, is the Arlo one. I, I have them at my home. We installed one in our back uh, deck at work yes, yesterday. Yes, in our studio. Yeah. We, uh, we have our office downtown here. Uh, part of it is onto a back alley, and we have a patio with fencing and stuff there. And you put a camera up yesterday. Yesterday, I did put a camera up. Um, Just to test it out, because we're going to put a full system back there. We were going to put a full system, and what we had to do is, these are Wi-Fi cameras, and our router is way on the other side, and we got these big metal doors and brick and glass. So what I had checked is when I was trying to put these cameras in the back, I noticed that the Wi-Fi signal wasn't strong. So what do I do? I decided, okay, I'm going to set Handy up a, Andy. He's... Handy Andy is going to set up a Wi-Fi network just for the back deck. And I did that using what's called a power line adapter. And we talk about this all the time. It's one of our favorite networking tools, which essentially uses your, your electrical grid, your outlets that you have, that you plug your devices in. It sends the internet through that from one end of your, say, your office or your home to another end, you, you know, that's close to your router. And so we did that, and we were testing it out, and I wanted to, to make sure everything was going to work. I put the camera in uh, yesterday. Wanted to see how it worked on the weekend before I fully mounted it. and um, They stole that and the power line adapter. And they broke in yesterday, <laughs> and they stole my camera. And what, you know what's more frustrating about this, Mike? Is oh, I, knew, I knew there was a probability overnight that somebody could break in and take that camera because I just had it sitting on a, on a table. Yeah. But what frustrates me Highly is, secure. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it's, it was just sitting there. It's just sitting there. But what frustrates me is after they broke in... My premise, and somebody even said this, is like, what happens if they steal a camera? And I was like, well, we'll see them steal a camera because that footage is automatically going to get uploaded online. We're going to get a notification on our smartphone, and we can watch that footage, and we can replace the camera. And what happened, Annie? The camera didn't work. It, at, some <laughs> point, at some point, it stopped working. And then hours later, we got broken in. So it just goes to show you that you know, when, you, when you try it with this technology, it's not foolproof. It was just test. This was a testing week. I wanted to make sure it was working. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't work, and now our camera's gone. And we're going, now it's war. Robbers one, Andy no, zero. No, now it's war. Our, <laughs> after after this show, I'm going to Home Depot. I'm buying some some cables, and I'm going to mount the craziest DIY whole, uh, security system for that office. I'm mad. I have a feeling we're going to lose a lot more cameras. No, no, no. <laughs> trust me. We're going to – nobody is going to want to break in into that back, back deck after uh, we have this set up because the new Arlo, the Arlo Pro, which you just showed on, on Global recently. Oh, I love that thing. The base station that it comes with, and this is what you connect to your router that kind of gives it the wireless connection. It has a siren built into it. I like that. It's a 100, 100 decibel. 100 decibel, yeah. Siren. It's loud. Yeah. I had to test it in the office, and I told everybody, like, get the dogs, put them in the other room. Yeah. I took a blanket and put it on top of it. It was pretty loud? And it was still loud. Yeah. So we're going to set that up. So if we ever get any kind of motion in the back, 
I am going to be able to remotely just press a siren button and scare those guys away and watch them run away with these cameras that we're going to mount. Your, with your camera. They're well, gonna, this time I'm going to watch them run away with the cameras. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to mount them nice and high. They're not going to see where they are, but we'll be watching them. Yeah. I'm telling you, this is war, man. Those. Those, those bad guys better watch out. Then the pigeons will get the cameras. Yeah, the pigeons, that's another thing. The thing is you can adjust the sensitivity with the new Arlo Pro cameras. Yeah. So it can detect what is a human motion and what is, let's say, an animal motion. So yeah. we're taking this to the nth degree. What if they dress up as pigeons? <laughs> well, let's see. You haven't we, thought we, that through, have you? If we can get through Halloween, uh, I think we'll, <laughs> we'll be okay, as long as we don't have people dressing up as pigeons. Do you have an iPhone? Are you out of... <laughs> Memory out of storage. If you've been taking too many pictures, well, when we come back from the break, we've got a solution for you. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. Later on in the program, we're going to talk about bots and how they're working against you when you're trying to buy tickets to your favorite concerts and events. It is shocking how many tickets go to these uh Little software programs even and the you, ticket brokers. Even if you think you're really fast at trying to order this and you have your, you're just waiting, you can't beat these bots. The bots are better. The bots are faster. Well, we'll find out what it is all about and what can we do about it, if anything. Are you an iPhone user? I know so many people that have iPhones and they're constantly coming to me saying, I am out of storage. Yeah. I have taken tons of pictures, videos, and I keep getting the out of storage message. Well we might have uh, a solution for you. On the line right now, we've got uh, Eric Bone from Leaf. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Great. Thank you for, for having me. So uh, as I was saying, Eric, uh, people use their smartphones for so many things uh, nowadays. A big thing, obviously, is capturing memories, taking photos and videos. And a, a lot of these new iPhones, uh, you can take 4K video. It just eats up your internal storage. And unfortunately, uh, with the iPhones, you typically can't put little memory cards in them like some of the Android phones. However, uh, we brought you on the line because uh, you've got a great little uh, doohickey that can uh, help folks. Yeah, and and we uh, designed this basically from the ground up to help exactly the type of problem that you were talking about, that dreaded pop-up that everyone gets when they're just about ready to take that perfect birthday shot or, you know, beautiful landscape shot, they get that out-of-memory shot. And we have that solution for you with the Leaf iBridge 3. Well, tell our listeners what, how this thing works and, and what it looks like. Yeah, so so it's very similar to uh, a traditional USB flash drive in, in, in form factor and shape. These are really small, but uh, Leaf designed this from the ground up to actually work within your mobile lifestyle. So instead of having something that, you know, sticks out really far from the bottom of your phone or some large wart that sits on it, we've created something with a unique J type of shape that kind of hides behind uh, your iPhone and plugs directly into your Apple lightning port at the bottom of the phone. And so once they plug it in, what, what's the next procedure? What do they do to, to make this thing all work? Yeah, so there's uh, there's a free application that really is is actually the heart of of the product's interface to the iPhone, and they just download a free app from the Apple App Store, um, which gets you right into some of the functionality of the iBridge product. Um, Eric, I'm not a big fan of iTunes, and one of the things uh, I don't like about the iPhone is when you try to move content, say videos and photos, everything kind of works with iTunes. With the Leaf iBridge, if, what about if you want to move content from your iPhone or iPad to your computer? Can you use this to, to basically move that 
all that content from one device to the other? Absolutely. This is definitely one of the key features of this device, being able to uh, back up and actually move content quickly from an iPhone or an iPad to, uh, to a computer over a standard USB port. So this Leaf iBridge product actually has two connections. There's one connection that uh, has the port that connects into the, the Apple Lightning port, and then on the other side of the device, there's actually a USB standard type A port, which is the one that you see on, you know, basically every computer that's, uh, that's working today. And, you know, another thing, Eric, I, I, and this happens all the time, you know, people go on holidays, they take a lot of photos and videos with their iPhone or iPad. Can you use the Leaf iBridge and just take the content, like take photos directly and save them directly onto the iBridge 3? Or do you have to put it onto your phone and then move it onto the iBridge? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a feature that, um, that we worked hard to, uh, to get working. So, so when you're in the situation, as we talked a little bit about earlier, and you've run out of space and, and panic sets in, you, you have two choices, right? One, you just don't get the shot, or, or two, you actually have to start deleting the content on your phone quickly, and that takes up valuable time. So with the combination of the Leaf iBridge hardware and the app, we actually allow you to shoot photos and videos directly to the iBridge 3. Um, this happens um, uh, without taking up any storage on your iPhone if you, if you already happen to be uh, full of storage on your internal memory. So it shoots directly to the external memory that's found on the iBridge. Well, what about security? What happens if you, if you lose the iBridge? Is somebody going to be able to take that and stick it into their iPhone and look at all your content? Yeah, security is always kind of a, a tricky situation. We um, have implemented a new feature on this product called LeafLock. And what this does is it takes advantage of the security built into your iPhone. So on the newer iPhones that have the touch sensor ID that you know, you've put in your thumbprint, that um, that security actually locks the the iBridge drive as well. Of course, you have to enable it. So there's always that situation where we give the customer a choice at the initial startup to either set a pin, um, you know, a four-digit pin to uh, to lock the drive, um, or you can use your thumbprint if you have that Touch ID on uh, on your device. And then if you lose that, uh, that pin, for example, we're actually using the same, um, recall procedures that you do on, uh, on the iCloud keychain is what it's called. And that security is saved up using the Apple technology. So we're pretty excited about this solution for the customers. It wasn't, we didn't have it on our first generation product and we've just implemented it on the iBridge 3. And we think customers are going to use this for that little bit of extra security uh, for their portable device that, that has really valuable uh, private information for them. Eric, you, you mentioned iCloud. And I know a lot of people now, what they're doing is they're taking their photos and videos that they take on their, on their device and uploading it to the cloud. Do you guys have any integration with like iCloud or, say, Google Drive? Yeah, this is a, this is a new feature that we've also implemented in the new app. Um, so we we believe that uh, because the the concept of of file files in the Apple ecosystem really they don't have the traditional file managers that you would think of uh, on a PC or a Mac. Um, so we've had to in- integrate that that uh, 
that functionality into the iBridge 3 app um, that runs and allows you to interface not only the internal uh, storage in your iPhone, but uh, cloud um, infrastructure for Google Drive and Box, um, and we're working on a few others, and the content that might be sitting on your iBridge. So, for example, if you have a document that's sitting up on, on Box or Google Drive, you can download that directly to your iBridge 3 um, through our app. Very cool. Uh, and just quickly, what uh, storage sizes are available? Yeah, so we started a, a, at an entry-level um, storage of around 16 gigabytes, um, which is great for that, uh, that older generation of phones. Um, you know, the iPhone 5S, for example, a lot of people were at 16 gig, and they're just looking to kind of back up that storage. But um, we found that we actually have a lot of power users, and so we have one of the industry-leading capacity sizes in this small form factor uh, all the way up to 256 gigabytes. So we give you a bunch of different steps along the way, 16, 32, 64, 128, and 256 gigabytes. Where can people get uh, more information about this? Yeah, so um, the information is available up on Leaf's website, which is leafco.com. Um, they're also uh, rolling out to retailers in uh, your local area, like Best Buy, Staples, and London Drugs. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Great. Thanks for having me. That was uh, Eric Bone uh, with Leaf talking about the new iBridge 3, a great little uh, device you can use on your iPhone if you run out of storage. When we come back, it's all about bots buying all our tickets. Back after this. Lots more to come up here on Get Connected. We will uh, be going open line, taking your tech calls and questions. Of course, we'll have App of the Week with uh, Christina. And before we get to uh, the bots, what's the prize this week, Andy? Well, you just heard us talk about the Leaf iBridge 3. This is an external flash drive for your iOS devices, whether it's an iPhone or iPad. If you've ran out of storage, you definitely want to get this. All you have to do is go to our website because we're giving one away. GetConnectedMedia.com. Enter the contest tab to enter and win the Leaf iBridge 3 and get some more storage for your iPhone. Do you ever wonder when you're trying to get tickets for uh, the latest concert coming to town and you just can't seem to get any, even though you're sitting on your computer waiting for them to start selling? Well, it seems that the system might be stacked against you. On the line right now, we've uh, got David Common. He is uh, over at the CBC. Thanks for joining us today, David. Yeah, no problem. I wanted to bring you on the program because uh, this is something that I'm actually very interested in. Uh, you did a, an excellent uh, article at, on it uh, up on uh, CBC uh, News uh, up on the web. So when these uh, when these concerts start selling tickets, and let's use the Tragically Hip, uh, their tour that just happened, how many tickets are actually going to the common people? <laughs> well, uh, not all that many, it turns out. You know, you look at something like the Tragically Hip, a big high-demand show, it's pretty well like all of the big high-demand shows, one-third of the tickets end up being snapped up by bots. Another third are grabbed by brokers. So those are kind of like professional scalpers. Many of them use bots. And so that really leaves only about a third of them for, you know, the average Joe fan. Really, the minority of tickets end up like that. Um, and, uh, and Live Nation, which owns Ticketmaster, it's the biggest promoter on the, on the planet. It actually has done what it can, it says, to try to block bots. It says still about 5 billion bots approach its website every year. They block 99% of them. But even with that, 100 bots a minute are getting through. And 
you know, many of your listeners are going to know exactly what a bot is, an automated software program that's able to grab often the very best seats in a stadium within seconds of the on-sale actually taking place, beating any uh, puny human who's uh, trying to do the same thing <laughs> for the punch. So, David, uh, you know, you talked about one-third goes to the bots, one-third goes to the, uh, the, the ticket brokers, but aren't the bots really being used by the ticket brokers? Well, in a lot of cases, uh, that's what, what we believe, or they are buying tickets um, and then those are being unloaded by brokers. So there's some sort of relationship between a bot operator and a broker. Uh, you know, bots are actually legal in many places to use, and even in places where they aren't legal, you, you know, you can just bypass it. So the bots that are going into the Ticketmaster system are operating from Eastern Europe, are operating from the province of Quebec, are operating from Ontario, or operating from California. They're they're coming from all over the place, and so just so uh, so easy for them to jump borders in that sense, um, and much more difficult to actually try to stop. Uh, when when we were talking to Ticketmaster and Live Nation about this, they said to us, "Look, we, we really do try to stop them, but they we there's kind of a limit. We don't want to go and cancel tickets that we think were bought by a broker or by a, a robot." Um, if it isn't a hundred percent sure, we don't want to take the chance and go and cancel some legitimate fans' tickets. David, is the use of bots with Ticketmaster a relatively new thing, or has this been happening for a long time and we just didn't know about it? I think we just didn't know about it. You know, it's become much bigger in recent years, but bots have been a, a something that Ticketmasters have to confront for at least 10, 15 years at this point in an organized way. They ban it on their terms of service. They say, you know, if you agree to come to this website, you agree that you're not using a bot. Um, But it's not illegal. It is in New York State. Ontario's Attorney General, after we went and talked to him about what we found in our investigation, said, well, you know what, we're going to outlaw bots for ticket purposes in this province as well. But that might be a bit more symbolic because they can just jump those borders so easily. There are, though, other technological solutions that, that people are considering. David, do they really care, though? Does Ticketmaster really want to stop this? Isn't it good for them to sell out these concerts within, like, two minutes? Yeah, well, from their perspective, they say they want to provide a service to their client, not the band, the artist, the singer, um, and they want to be doing well by the fans. But, you know, look, Ticketmaster sells 80% of the tickets for live events in North America. It's owned by Live Nation, which itself owns a lot of the venues, owns a lot of the promotion. In fact, has about 60% of the promotion for live events uh, in the world. It is a major entity. They're in the business of selling tickets, and if tickets sell out fast, then, look, it makes it easier for them. Ticketmaster also now runs in many areas a secondary ticket site, so it runs its own kind of version of StubHub. You may go to a, you know, the Ticketmaster site and see, oh, look at that. Uh, they, they don't have any seats left, but they're redirecting me to a place that has it, a place that's actually owned by Ticketmaster, and all these tickets are no longer at face value, but they're double or triple or exponentially more than that over the original price. Funny how that is, David. Mm-hmm. <laughs> David, if you can just uh, hang on the line, I want to chat a little bit more about this uh, with you. I'm going to open up the phone lines as well. Do you think uh, companies like Ticketmaster uh, are doing enough to stop this? Uh, do you think the government should get more involved? love to hear from you. 604-298-9898. Back after this.
Did I say the right number? No. I said the wrong number. You're back with Get Connected and Mike and Andy here. A little bit we'll uh, be doing App of the Week with Christina. Right now we're talking about bots. Bots are buying tickets before you can. On the line we've uh, got uh, David Common. He's over from the CBC. Thanks again for joining us, David. No problem. Um, uh, again, you know, we were talking about is Ticketmaster uh, doing enough? Uh, we talked about uh, the government in Ontario. They want to ban bots. But to your point, they would just be banning bots that originated in Ontario. Is that right? Yeah, or transactions that are taking place in Ontario. But, you know, the, the question, of course, is how do you police something like that? Um, you'd have to have a pretty sophisticated unit watching these things. And they'd have to be pretty quick because bots do operate very quickly. Um, you know, and you have to look at the, the, the behind the scenes things that are going on. So Ticketmaster, for instance, has ticket limits. It says no person can buy more than four tickets at once. Uh, but what a, a broker who operates bots will do is, uh, he or she'll have maybe 500 credit cards under different names going to different PO boxes and operating each bot off of a different one to kind of bypass those maximum seat limits. This is a multi-million dollar business, really, isn't it? Well, if you look at the Tragically Hip, that alone, brokers made $30 million. Oh, my God. Speaking of the Tragically Hip, David, what are the artists saying about this? Do they want to put an end to this so that their fans can actually afford and, and have access to these tickets? Well, I think it depends on the artists themselves. You know, we, the Tragically Hip didn't talk to us as part of our uh, story, as part of our investigation, but we know that they were aware of what was going on. But they're a bit restricted. They don't want to take a chance of canceling some legitimate fan's ticket. But then you can look at other people like uh, Louis C.K., the comedian. Um, he was recently out in the West Coast and uh, doing a number of shows and said quite plainly, uh, if I find, or my team, and he's hired a whole bunch of former brokers, if my team finds any of my tickets on a resale site like StubHub, we'll cancel those tickets. And so what's the result? You can't find Louis C.K. tickets on secondary sites. Because they kind of have no value. That might be easier for him, but I mean, if you're like Beyonce, for example, selling out entire stadiums, like tens of thousands of tickets, that would be much more difficult. Much more difficult, and particularly when the biggest game in town is Live Nation and Ticketmaster, all part of one big company. Um, these these are folks who do do tours really professionally and maximize the amount of money that can be made out of them. They really know what they're doing. Uh, but they're there primarily watching out for the artist's bottom line, of course. We've opened up the phone lines, getting your thoughts on this. 604-280-9898. Kind of messed up the phone number before the you break. You <laughs> 604-280-9898. Uh, Dave, I got a question. Um, I, I think a lot of people are familiar with CAPTCHA, and that was basically to ensure that you are a human being when you, when you are like registering something online. Are those yeah. security measures not working? They work for some of the less sophisticated bots, um, but for the more sophisticated ones, they don't. So, I mean, to give you an idea, CAPTCHA can have any number of combinations, usually up to around 64,000. But that doesn't mean that a Ticketmaster site or every single site that uses them is using all of those combinations. I mean, they actually have far fewer, and so that makes it much easier for a bot operator to actually just get through all of them, uh, take a picture, and identify what it is. Um, for the computer going forward, because it can differentiate between one image and another. It can't, just always can't separate what that word is inside that image. A um, hundred bots a minute getting through the Ticketmaster site every single day, that tells you 
his Ticketmaster operates CAPTCHA, tells you just how quickly they can get through. Jump into the phone lines here. We've got Jeff in New West. Hey, Jeff. Hey. Hey. Yeah, I totally hate bots. You hate bots? <laughs> Have you uh, tried to buy tickets before and not been able to get through? Of course. Yeah. Should the what, what, what are your thoughts, though? Should the government step in more? Should Ticketmaster up their game? Uh, well, that's you guys' opinion. That I already gave my opinion. You guys can finish it off. Thanks, Jeff. We'll uh, jump here to uh, Ron. Hey, Ron. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was loaded. My God. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, uh, you know, the last ticket I bought, um, uh, I wanted to go see the nylons uh, thing, right? Yeah. And the only way I could buy a ticket was either to physically drive out to Maple Ridge or, or Mission or have a credit card. And I went, I don't have credit cards. I don't have uh, check by Internet because I don't have the Internet. And I was like, holy crap. Why don't they just go back the old system and personally identify the caller? So there's no bots. There's no computer involved. It's, yes, you can buy your four tickets. Uh, next caller, please. Yeah, no, that's uh, the way it used to be done. But, David, I mean, that would be prohibitively expensive, wouldn't it? To go back. Considered, um, look at what Iron Maiden is doing. Now, it's a bit of a blast in the past to talk about them, but they're starting up a tour. And what they're doing is saying, okay, you can buy a ticket. You've got to use a credit card. So you've got to have a credit card. And then you have to use that exact same credit card to actually gain entry. That you, there, it never is a ticket that the ticket of the future will be the credit card itself. Obviously, you don't want to lose your credit card in between the time you buy and the time that you uh, actually try to enter the concert because it literally would be the ticket. But then it would take time, and you'd need new machines. You'd need new scanners at the gates because they don't want to have really long lines. You would have to be able to show probably ID in addition to that credit card. And so all that will, will add time. And uh, Live Nation, that biggest promoter on earth, is saying, well, we got to figure out a way to get people – into our venues quickly. So not any great answers anytime soon, really, David? No, not necessarily. I mean, the, the Iron Maiden idea is going to be starting up next year um, as, as one kind of trial project. It, a lot of people say that, in fact, that is the very solution that you ought to use. There's some former bot operators themselves who say, look, there are ways that you can go and look at this. You say, uh, I, I want to know if someone from the same address is buying or same credit, you know, is, this, is the same credit card buying for two different events on the same day, but buying at the same time. That's a pretty good indication that it's a bot being used because how could you go to two different concerts, say in two different provinces or two different states at the same time? Uh, and many bot operators say that right there would eliminate um, a lot of the problem. David, uh, obviously people can find out more about you up on the CBC site? Yep. Very cool. And uh, Twitter handle? At David Common. That was David Common, uh, our good friend over at the CBC. When we come back, it's App of the Week time with Christina. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. It's it's that time of the week. We've uh, got Christina in studio. App of the Week time. What do you got for us? You know what? I have an app today that you introduced me to, actually. Ah, I think I know. It's been sitting on my iPad and I use it. It's fantastic, but it's been there for over a year and I don't know why I've never spoken about it, but it's called Infuse. Love that app. I know. It's amazing. I use it all the time. 
So it's a paid app. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. And it's not inexpensive as far as app goes, apps go, but it is amazing. It is a media player and it will play any video under the sun. It's amazing because often what happens is when you're trying to watch videos on your iPad or if you do that on your phone, um, there are some like codecs or whatever is missing. There are all sorts of different formats. Doesn't work. Yeah. And this app just plays anything. Well, it's kind of cool because uh, I, I do a lot of traveling. And so when I'm on an airplane, I like to have my own movies and yeah. and shows. And, uh, you know, I typically get them from various places. and um, Legally, in, of course. Yeah, yeah. Let's say that. <laughs> uh, so essentially, Infuse uh, allows me, uh, you know, I've got to plug it into my computer where all the where they are but i can basically drag and drop them right into the uh, app and then it'll play which is uh, fantastic and no matter what uh, video file format or what kind of audio that's attached to it it just plays it no problem but again it's not cheap i think it's like eight bucks or something uh, I think it's thirteen ninety nine. Okay, that's more than eight bucks. <laughs> I know, but you know what? It's so worth it because the worst thing. This is my biggest pet peeve is when I try to watch a video, and the sound won't go. Like the video starts, and you think this is great, it's working, and then there's no sound. Yeah, that's kind of sucky. What I like about it too, um, I have one of the newer Apple TVs where you can download apps, and if you if you pay the thirteen ninety nine. Oh, uh, do you get an Infuse app? You get an in, yeah, you can get it for the Apple TV. And Amazing. You don't have to pay again for it, and so that way I've got it on my iPad, and I also have it on my Apple TV, so I can look at stuff uh, through my Apple TV through, uh, TV through that app. Pretty cool. Yeah, okay. it also supports AirPlay and all that good stuff, so you can AirPlay from your iPad or phone or whatever. Just for iOS right now, I believe. Yes, it is. Um, But yeah, it's pretty amazing. And it also downloads, I don't know if you knew this, but it automatically downloads metadata for the videos that you put on it. So so you can get all your like descriptions of the show. Yeah, for your TV shows and movies. Yeah. uh, The cover art and stuff like that. Very cool. Good call on that one. Andy, we've got uh, a little bit of time left to talk about the prize. Yes, this week, if you heard our interview with the folks over at Leaf, we are giving away the iBridge 3. This is basically an external flash drive for your iPhone or iPad. It's perfect if you've run out of storage or if you just want to move storage from your phone or tablet to your computer. This little device is going to do that and you can bypass iTunes altogether. All you got to do is go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com to enter and win the Leaf iBridge 3. Want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together. Of course, Andy Brar, my co-host and producer, Christina, for coming in the studio every week, and the rest of the Get Connected team back at the office. Paul, Sherry, Wes, and Ethan, the new guy. We'll see you again next week.